This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of hypothenar hammer syndrome from the hand section on orthobullets.com. Hypothenar hammer syndrome is a post-traumatic digital ischemia from thrombosis of the ulnar artery at Guillain's Canal. Again, hypothenar hammer syndrome is a post-traumatic digital ischemia from thrombosis of the ulnar artery at Guillain's Canal. As far as the epidemiology, hypothenar hammer syndrome is rare. And as far as the demographics, the male-to-female ratio is 9 to 1, and the age bracket is the 40s to 50s. With respect to location, hypothenar hammer syndrome is typically unilateral and involves the dominant ring finger plus or minus the small finger. Less commonly, the index and middle fingers are involved, and the thumb is typically spared. Risk factors include occupations using vibrating tools such as carpenters, machinists, and mechanics. Other risk factors include sports such as baseball catchers, mountain biking, golf, volleyball, and karate. As far as the pathophysiology of hypothenar hammer syndrome, the mechanism involves a single or repetitive blunt impact on the hypothenar eminence, which leads to ulnar artery thrombosis or aneurysm. The hook of the hamate functions as an anvil causing thrombosis. Distal embolization leads to ulceration and or gangrene. Now let's go over some relevant anatomy, specifically the ulnar artery. The ulnar artery branches into two branches as it exits Guillain's canal, the deep branch and the superficial palmar arch in Guillain's canal. The ulnar artery's relation to the hook of the hamate is over 2 centimeters distal, and the artery is directly anterior to the hook of the hamate, covered by the palmaris brevis, subcutaneous tissue, and skin. Again, as far as the ulnar artery's relation to the hook of the hamate, it is over 2 centimeters distal, and the artery is directly anterior to the hook of the hamate, covered by the palmaris brevis, subcutaneous tissue, and skin. Moving on to the presentation of hypothenar hammer syndrome, the history usually involves occupational or sporting risks, which we previously mentioned. Symptoms may include pain over the hypothenar eminence and ring finger, and may involve the small, middle, and index fingers. Other symptoms may include cold sensitivity and or paresthesia. Physical exams should include inspection and certain provocative tests. Inspection may reveal blanching, mottling, cyanosis, pallor and or gangrene, tenderness over the hypothenar eminence, a prominent callus, specifically callus skin over the hypothenar eminence, a pulsatile mass if an aneurysm is present, fingertip ulcerations over the ulnar digits, and or splinter hemorrhages over the ulnar digits. The main provocative test to mention is Allen's test, and it's positive if occlusion is present and negative if an aneurysm is present. As far as imaging in the setting of hypothenar hammer syndrome, the important ones to mention include a Doppler ultrasound, as well as an angiogram, CT angiogram, or MR angiogram. A Doppler ultrasound is the first-line test, and you will measure the digital brachial index. Less than 0.7 necessitates reconstruction. An angiogram, CT angiogram, or MR angiogram is mandatory for diagnosis. Findings may include a tortuous, quote-unquote, corkscrew ulnar artery, as well as occlusion or aneurysm at the hook of the hamate. Again, findings on angiogram may include a tortuous, quote-unquote, corkscrew ulnar artery, as well as occlusion or aneurysm at the hook of the hamate. As far as the differential for hypothenar hammer syndrome, the other diagnosis to be aware of is Raynaud's disease, which involves the thumb, but remember that hypothenar hammer syndrome does not. 
Treatment of hypothenar-hammer syndrome can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management includes lifestyle modifications, symptomatic treatment, and vascular insult. Non-operative management is indicated for thrombosis without aneurysm greater than two weeks, patients that are asymptomatic, and patients that have no threat of digital loss. Some lifestyle modifications to mention include smoking cessation and avoiding recurrent trauma. As far as outcomes of non-operative management, there is an 80% success rate. Operative options include endovascular fibrinolysis, excision of the involved segment and reconstruction with or without a vein graft, and arterial ligation, also known as the Lerich procedure. Endovascular fibrinolysis is indicated for thrombosis without aneurysm that is less than two weeks old. Excision of the involved segment and reconstruction with or without a vein graft is indicated for a digital brachial index of less than 0.7, thrombosis with aneurysm, ischemia in multiple digits, and or failed conservative treatment with recurrent symptoms. Finally, arterial ligation, otherwise known as the Lerich procedure, is indicated for a digital brachial index of greater than 0.7. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, A 49-year-old construction worker presents with pain in his small finger for two months. An Allen's test reveals an incomplete palmar arch with the ulnar border digits supplied exclusively by the ulnar artery and the radial border digits by the radial artery. Following a period of rest and activity modification, he returns one month later with ulceration at the tip of his small finger. At this point, a color flow Doppler ultrasound image of the ulnar artery shows an area of flow adjacent to a thrombus. The digital brachial index is 0.4. What is the next best step? And the choices are 1. Catheter-directed thrombolysis. 2. Systemic thrombolysis. 3. Ulnar artery stenting. 4. Ulnar artery ligation. And 5. Ulnar artery reconstruction. The correct answer to this question is 5. Ulnar artery reconstruction. So the patient in the question stem has hypothenar hammer syndrome complicated by ulnar artery aneurysm, which eventually thrombosed, leading to digital ischemia and ulceration. Treatment involves resection of the involved segment and reconstruction with a vein or artery graft, as the gap is usually too great for direct repair. To quickly review, hypothenar hammer syndrome is a post-traumatic digital ischemia from thrombosis of the ulnar artery at Guillain's Canal and is associated with the use of vibrating tools, for example, mechanics and construction workers. The hook of the hamate functions as an anvil, leading to ulnar artery aneurysms, which may cause thrombosis. The digital brachial index, or DBI, is a good predictor of outcome and treatment. A DBI of 0.85 to 1.25 is normal, and if the DBI is greater than 0.7, there are minimal symptoms, the digit is viable, and surgery is not warranted. If the DBI is less than 0.7, arterial reconstruction is suggested. A DBI of less than 0.5 is associated with severe symptoms and digital gangrene. Chloros et al. reviewed 13 patients who underwent artery excision and reversed interpositional vein grafting. They found that 10 or 77% of patients were patent at two years. Symptoms were improved from initial presentation, and isolated cold stress test responses were not different from normal controls. Two patients with obstructed grafts still had pain, numbness, and cold sensitivity. They concluded that successful reconstruction improves function and quality of life. McClinton et al. reviewed hypothenar hammer syndrome. 
They describe the ulnar artery as the most common site of true and false aneurysms, where aneurysm is defined as permanent localized vessel wall dilatation of greater than or equal to 50% of normal. The cause of ulnar aneurysms is usually hypothenar or hammer syndrome. They're reconstructed with ipsilateral veins from the forearm or foot dorsum or artery segments from the thoracodorsal artery, the superficial inferior epigastric artery, or the descending branch of the lateral femoral circumflex artery. And moving on to the final question, a 35-year-old mixed martial arts fighter and recreational cocaine user presents with symptoms concerning for hypothenar hammer syndrome. Significant ischemia is found on physical exam. Arteriography shows a bilobed aneurysm overlying the ulnar artery with a normal appearing distal vasculature. What is the most appropriate next step in treatment? And the choices are one, conservative treatment with cocaine abstinence, two, conservative treatment with activity modifications and medical management with calcium channel blockers, three, therapeutic endovascular fibrinolysis, four, excision of the involved segment and reconstruction with or without a vein graft, and five, medical management with Coumadin for six months. The correct answer to this question is four, excision of the involved segment and reconstruction with or without a vein graft. So the patient in the question stem has a bilobed aneurysm overlying the ulnar artery with normal appearing distal vasculature. Hypothenar hammer syndrome can be associated with an aneurysm and is most appropriately treated with resection of the involved segment and either reconstruction with a primary anastomosis or a vein graft. Hypothenar hammer syndrome consists of two separate entities, thrombosis and aneurysm. In the setting of thrombosis without aneurysm, conservative management is preferred. If the thrombosis is acute, that is less than two weeks old, endovascular fibrinolysis has shown good results. In patients with a hypothenar hammer syndrome and an aneurysm, surgery is required for resection to prevent distal embolization and remove the often painful aneurysmal mass. UN et al. review hypothenar hammer syndrome. In patients with hypothenar hammer syndrome and aneurysms, resection of the involved segment of the ulnar artery prevents distal embolic events, eliminates the painful mass, relieves ulnar nerve compression, and removes the thrombus, which initiated the reflex vasospasm and closed off the collateral vessels in the region. Lifchez et al. reviewed the long-term outcomes of 11 patients with hypothenar hammer syndrome treated with ulnar artery reconstruction. Two of the patients underwent excision and direct ulnar artery repair, and the rest underwent reconstruction with a vein graft. All patients had a mean improvement in digital brachial index, decrease in pain and dysesthesia symptoms, and decrease in cold intolerance compared with preoperatively. Nateki et al. review a case series of six patients with hypothenar hammer syndrome. They state that the treatment of thrombosis should be largely conservative, but thrombolytic treatment could be considered if the event happened less than two weeks prior to presentation. That's all for this review about hypothenar hammer syndrome. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.